How you doing, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mike Bouchard, host of the Night Stalker podcast. This will be episode number five, the Bob Lazar trilogy. Uh, for some of you who might not know who Bob Lazar is, he is the uh, individual who broke open the Area 51. Um, it's hard to say if it's a scandal. Uh, scandal might not be the right word, but... He put Area 51 on the map back in 1989. Uh, I looked at this case and the interviews I did with people and all the interviews I watched. And basically, I looked at this like I was interviewing someone for a crime scene, basically. I've been in law enforcement for 35 years. Uh, I'm almost... actually good at it. As a matter of fact, they tell me I'm good at it. I don't know if I believe them or not. But the fact is, there's always been a lot of conspiracy theories, uh, debunking. And then on the other side of the the fence, you have people like uh, George Knapp, uh, Jeremy Cobell. On one side of the fence... Uh, you have uh, Stanton Freeman on the other side of the fence. None of these people I know. I just l- listened to their interviews. And I have nothing to gain or lose by this. As I said, I'm not a fan of UFOs. I have my own beliefs, which are probably nothing very exciting to listen to, but the fact is I'm looking at this more of a, an investigative case rather than a, uh, a debunk case. Uh, just trying to detail some of the facts, which I found, I, unfortunately I found a lot of, uh, discrepancies in this case that, um, we'll get into. So Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar was born in 1959 in Coral Gables, Florida. There's a lot of uh, controversy about his social security card, which was issued in New York. Uh, the fact, the fact that the simple fact of the matter is uh, where his social security card was issued from really doesn't matter because it has no, no direct implication on the case. Uh, more than likely, it suggested at one time he, he was probably adopted and did not get a, um, a Social Security card. And why New York? And maybe he was actually born in New York. Nobody knows. Um, and he doesn't talk much about it, and that's his business, so I'm not going to really say too much about it. So, a couple things we have to clear up. Bob Lazar says that he worked in an area called S4, which is a subset located about 14 miles south in the Area 51 complex. However, this he may have been there once or twice, but this is not an accurate statement. Uh, Lazar actually worked on the Maison facility, uh, and there is no uh, clearance required for that facility. 
So his talk about having majestic clearance, and which he, he states is 38 levels uh, higher than the normal um, individual's level that's on the base, is probably a deceptive answer for, for a couple reasons. One, majestic clearance wasn't something new. Majestic clearance was after, actually something that was renamed after... MJ-12, or the Majestic-12, which was actually designated or designed or its origin point in 1947. It was a group of 12 scientists, military people, scholars, to determine if and what the effects of an alien encounter might or might not be. Do we have anything that substantiates that? Do we have things that do not substantiate those facts? Okay. That's what they they were um, designed for. So majestic clearance, you know, the word majestic came up in 47. He claims he had it in 89. So the word majestic is something that he could have already known. It was already a pre-known fact. He says that he worked uh, for the Department of Naval Intelligence. However, in a interview, and I will try to find the source I'm uh, quoting it from, but I watched an interview, and then he, he says in the interview he didn't know who he was working for. Well, honestly, you either know who you're working for or you don't. Um, he has himself listed as a full-time scientist. He was not. He was a subcontractor working for uh, Kurt Myers. And that is the only reason his name came up in the, the phone book at the Naval Base. And if you look at the side of his name on the actual document, it says K slash M, which was subcontractor Kurt, Kurt My, uh, Myers. He also admits that he only worked sporadically. So, if you work sporadically, that does not mean you are a permanent employee. You just come in occasionally and um, do your thing and then you leave. And I'm just trying to see if I could find any specific quote here because, I, like I said, I was writing a lot of stuff down while I was li listening to these uh, things. Uh, let me see. The one interesting thing that I see in all of his interviews which, from an investigative point, is very questionable. He uses the term, I guess, a lot. Well, you either know or you don't. You know, you don't guess about, you know, parts of your life that, as he, as he, as he mentions that, he never had the opportunity to see such things. It marveled him. It, 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 they were, you know, interesting, fascinating. You don't forget those dates, okay? So by his statement of, I guess, now, the funny thing was they asked him what, what they said he worked for. He says, I guess 89. Well, according to documents, it was 88 to 89, and I shouldn't be able to tell him what he should already know. However, this is what we're dealing with already. Uh, okay, he says 
he worked out at the base on infrequent on an infrequent basis. Well, if you work somewhere on an infrequent basis, I, I don't mean to pop, burst your bubble, but an infrequent basis does, does not mean that you are full-time. There's a lot of deception here already. Um, he states that he attended uh, MIT and Caltech. Two prominent colleges. Uh, he can't verify any of this information. He says that it was the government that <clears throat> went into the colleges and wiped out all his records. But, however, according to each college's legal department, it would be impossible uh, from a legal standpoint of view and a physical standpoint of view to remove anybody's information. You also have to understand that <clears throat> thesis, thesis reports, other things that would be kept on file at these colleges were not found. Individuals at the college at the time he says he graduated don't remember who he is. Uh, none of the Arguses have photos of him in there. So... And then in one statement, he says he assumed he worked for the Department of uh, Naval Intelligence. Well, again, you don't, you don't um, guess, you know who you work for because you had to go through a hiring process, an application process, an interviewing process, and you should hopefully know who the hell is interviewing you. One would think. Um, Another thing on his schooling, he attended a high school in New Jersey. Now, for MIT or Caltech to take a student, a high school student, you would have to be within a top 10%. His grades were in the high. He was down so far. He was in, oh, I think they said 265 to 270 range, which would have not made him... Uh, he just couldn't get those positions. I mean, he couldn't. He couldn't get a spot in that, that those colleges. His, his grade level were substandard. It would never happened. Um, again, there's a lot of inconsistencies in that. He did attend uh, Pierce Community College, which was not an actual, you know. Um, Well, let me put it this way. He says he was he was attending MIT at the same time he was attending Pierce Community College. They're 2,500 uh, miles apart, so I don't know how he do, was doing that unless he had a transporter and was transporting himself back and forth. Um, Stan Friedman, who is... Um, fairly well-known... Uh, did a lot of research into the case, a heck of a lot more than I do. Um, and I found uh, during an interview that he did with uh, Jeremy Corbell, and we will get into Jeremy Corbell and uh, George Knapp in a little while, that uh, he was he was unable to uh, substantiate most of the information that was given to him by... Uh, um, 
anyone involved in this uh, Bob Lazar trilogy, as one would have it. Um, now, Bob reports that he saw seven seven flying discs, flying saucers, whatever one chooses to call them, uh, in this S-4 facility. Uh, but without a, without, he makes two statements, which were, you have to listen to all the, the interviews and you'll find the conflict. If you listen to just one or maybe two, you're not going to find the conflict, con, any conflictions of statements because you're not looking enough. In, in one area, he says he had, had no access to any alien life, dead or alive, However, he reports seeing it, he reports seeing photos of it, he reports seeing, uh, you know, body uh, parts of these aliens, but yet, on the other end, he says he had no contact. Well, listen, nothing for nothing, if he had no contact, you wouldn't have known any of this crap. So, uh, you know, you may be able to uh, fool the core bells and maps of the, of the world, but you're not going to fool me. You know, I put, I've caught more cold case criminals than most people would think of. So they never got away with it. So, you know, please don't, don't think you're going to fool me or get away with, with that kind of bull crap around me. Uh, you know, I know what I know and that's, that's how it is. I'm not judging you on it, but I'm just bringing out a couple of facts that, need to be addressed here. I passed the lie detector test. Well, you passed one test. You failed about five others. So let's get that straight, too, because I'm sure Cor- uh, Corbell and, and Lazar and, and Knapp are not telling you this, and I'll, I'll be quite honest with you why. George Knapp, if it wasn't for Bob Lazar, he would still be an anchorman for a TV station. It's as simple as that. That's all he was. It was Bob Lazar's story that brought George Knapp into the limelight. The same with Jeremy Corbell. If it wasn't for Bob Lazar's story, they wouldn't have this acclaimed fame that they have right now. So, you know, please don't believe that their intentions are merely to prove what Bob Lazar has to say because he's a good guy. Um, I know a lot of good guys that lie like hell. Um, their intent with, with Bob Lazar, as long as they can keep pushing the story, they keep making money. You know, um, do some background on them. There's not much background until Bob Lazar came into their life. Uh, there was a uh, Corbell... On January 2019, in an interview uh, by UFO uh, Congress, and I believe this is the one where him and uh, him and uh, Stanton Freeman went at it. You can tell immediately that Corbell was attempting in every which way, to deflect 
everything that Stanton Freeman said. Well, most people say, well, they were just arguing. No. Every time Stanton brought up a legitimate point, Corbell would jump in. That's a, that's a typical deflection method that people that are lying use. And that's what he was doing. He was, he was trying to raise the hype of the audience to make, make it seem like every time he said something that it was more significant than what Stanton was saying. However, the difference is Stanton was basically listing facts that could be proven and Corbell couldn't prove anything. As a matter of fact, he made a statement in there, which is, I mean, why, why he even opens his mouth and talks sometime. Um, he basically said, well, it doesn't matter if Lazar was lying about his college educations, this and that. Well, uh, yes, it does. It does matter. Um, because if he's lying, you're just supporting his lie which makes you no better than he is. I hate to tell you there, buddy, but um, that's how life is. And I, I don't really care if you like me or not because uh, I've seen, I saw the interview and what I could tell you, Mr. Corbell, is that you are a follower. You are not a leader. You, oh, Bob Lazar, such a great guy, this, that. Listen, you're, you're looking for attention, okay? Ken Knapp, he's such a good guy, this and that. Well, what about your own opinions? You don't have any because you're, you're going with the flow. And I get it, dude. There's a lot of money out there to be made. Hey, you know, we all like to make a ton of money, but um, don't ever commit a crime because you never get away with it. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Uh, his, resp- you know, Corbell's res- res- uh, response to everything was, heightened. It was like it was dramatic. It, it, had a, it had to draw attention away from the answers that he was getting from Stanton. You know, uh, Stanton could have a- answered some of these questions a lot better, but he didn't, probably because he wanted to be more politically correct and he shouldn't have been. But um, the fact is that the, the questions that were being asked, uh, Stanton not only was you know, getting deflected by uh, Corbell, but it was also it was also being deflected by the the host of the show, and I don't really remember his name, and he wasn't that good anyway, so I suppose it really doesn't matter. George Knapp, on the other hand, like I said, George Knapp was a was basically uh, a news reporter for uh, KLS TV out of Nevada. That's what he was before before. Uh, Bob Lazar came. Now, you see, over the years, all of these people have made, including Bob Lazar, have made money on Bob Lazar. Could you imagine you're the guy that broke the story on Bob Lazar, and then all of a sudden, somebody proves it's not true? What would happen to you? Your career would take a ditch, you disappear in absentia somewhere, and that would be the ending. So you have to, regardless if you believe it or not, you have to defend this guy. The same with George Norrie. I mean, let me be honest with you. You three guys, George Norrie, Knapp, 
Corbell, you're used car salesman. That's what you do. You sell cars, you sell bullshit stories. People don't believe, you know, people want to believe in shit. So, you know, if you're making tons of money, God bless you guys. I mean, you know, I just can't be as, uh, I don't like robbing the public on fake, fake information, you know. And uh, that's just how life is, I, I suppose. Now, getting back to our our pal there, uh, Mr. Lazar. A lot of statements he made were untrue. When Corbell handed him that picture of this this hand scanner in one of their interviews, I don't remember which one it was because I don't pay attention to some of that stuff. Bob grabbed it, smiled. Oh, I never thought I'd see one of these before. Well, unfortunately, Bob, they used one of those those secret scanners um, in Close Encounters of the Third Kind in 1977. So. Um, that's information you could have got from watching that movie. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I don't know where you got it, but that stuff already existed. Just, just like your element, um, 115, uh, it can't naturally be made. It's over 109. It has to be synthetically manufactured. And quite honest with you, Bob, they could have manufactured that in 19, uh, 1944, I believe it is, because basically it's a bombardment of of one chemical with another, or element with another one. The uh, the calcium was discovered in 1808. The uh, what I call uh, American 243 was invented in 1944. So if somebody had bombarded the bombarded that with calcium, you would have had uh, element 115, which has a lifespan of 220 milliseconds. So it's not something that normally occurs in nature, so that's kind of uh, that's kind of out of the story. You, your your degrees, you say, were in physics and electronics. Uh, at the time, uh, MIT North Caltech had an electronics class, so I don't know what you're talking about there. Um, I don't even know where that came from, to be honest with you. Now, let's get back to this element 115 that you said that the FBI raided your raided your uh, your business uh, a couple of times for. Let me just find some more notes that I took about it because I know I know for a fact <clears throat> that the FBI did not raid your businesses um, looking for element. Uh, 115. Uh, I'm sure you also didn't put down in 1990 you were arrested for you and your wife for promoting prostitution. I'm sure about that. I know that. In 06, you were, your business was raided for sales of hazardous material over state lines. In the last and final raid by the Michigan State Police, and not that you had anything to do with it, but they believe that the that that your company sold over state lines thallium, which was involved in the death of 31-year-old uh, Janelle uh, Struzzi. So, in fact, Bob, they did not raid your place looking for element 115. 
one, they were looking for chemicals that you were hazard, you know, you were shipping over to state lines, which were hazardous materials at the time. And this, the, the last one was for a homicide. So you can just forget that, that other nonsense because, you know, nobody believes that story anyway. Or maybe some people do. I don't know. Um, and then again, we still get back to the same thing that you have no physical evidence, nothing to support anything you said. Now, listen. I'm about the same age as you are. And just looking through my junk drawers, I, I find paperwork on time. I can't even remember what the hell I was doing, but I must have been doing it because there's the paperwork, okay? So, you know, based on all of this information, and let's get back to this um, Zeta Reticuli system that this uh, ET came from. Well, Here's the problem with that one, Bob. That was mentioned in a 1966 Aquarius project done by the U.S. government, which they put out that they had an alien life form called EB who came from Zeta Reticuli system. So that was already known knowledge, just like everything you were talking about. It was known knowledge before 1989. However, what people don't know is that the Rosetta, uh, Rosetta uh, Reticuli system has no known planets in it. So unless they fell off a star or took, the, took a wrong left, that's probably not going to be there neither. So, you know, based on just a quick summary look at look at what you're saying uh if if you were being investigated and had ever ha had to be asked any questions you corbell knapp nori uh you probably wouldn't do it very well uh you wouldn't do very well so do i believe your story well i believe you worked on area 51 i believe you worked as a subcontractor in the Maison facility. Do I believe you had access to all of the stuff you claim to have access to? No, I don't. Do I believe that Knapp or Corbell is going to come up with this information that's going to pro prove you right? I don't believe that either. <clears throat> They're just writing on your popularity, and I mean... Don't get me wrong, dude. It's, it's it's good you have popularity. I mean, I would just like it to be in something a little more truthful and substantiated, but that's not the way of the world anymore, and, you know, that's how it is. And a lot of people probably send me to go screw yourself. You know, we know better, but, you know, the fact of the matter is nothing is proven. None of you. And I'll even throw Nori in there because I like throwing him under the bus too every once in a while because he he really he really uh, him and Nap really screwed up the uh, Dennis Martin case to a a point where it was literally disgusting uh, because they didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Um, so I mean, people can people can sit there and. 
figure out for themselves what they believe and what they don't believe. But what I will tell you is watch responses, watch consistent stories, watch reaction to what other people say, watch when people who have knowledge about a particular field, watch the way they talk, the language they use to describe it like... Here's a, here's a good one. Corbell runs around. He's a real scientist. He invents that. He invents this. He did this. He did that. Listen, you got elect people that are just engineers that invent shit like that. The same stuff that Lazar is inventing. Doesn't make one scientist. Just because he just says he's a scientist. It's like this. You know what? To become a cop, you have to take a test. You have to pass the test. You have to pass all the other stuff required to become a cop. After you go to the police academy, you're a cop. If you haven't done all of that stuff required to be a scientist, you may be doing the job as one, but you're not one. That's just how it is. And I, and I hate to break your bubble, and I'm probably pissing everybody else off, but, you know, the fact is only the people that are looking for something to believe in like your type of shows. I mean, there are people out there that, you know, the same ones that, that search for Bigfoot that isn't there, that look for crop circles that are man-made. They're not made by alien spacecraft. Same ones looking for Loch Ness, which is a completely landlocked system. And quite honestly, nothing like a lizard could live in that temperature, especially the, the cold water. So, but there's people looking for that stuff. I'm sure there's people that love your products. They, they love your they love your interviews. They, they like hearing you. But the fact is, these are people just looking. You know, I don't remember who sang it, but it was called Something to Believe in. Well, there you go, pal. That's what they're looking for. You know, and... Um, it's the only one good thing that's happened out of this is that it has brought the attention to people that there is a possibility of life out there. And when I did the book, Creatures of uh, Folklore, Fact or Fiction, it was the only, only part of the book where I didn't attempt to disprove anything. Because I do believe there's other life out there somewhere. Um, honestly though, if they came flying by here and saw society today, what the hell would they want to take this freaking planet over for? I mean, shit, I wouldn't want to take it over. Christ, you know, let's face it, you know, this planet, this planet and all of its insanity nowadays, I, I if I was an alien landing on this planet, I, I'd jump back into that ship and I, I'd be in warp drive before I got past it, past the, uh, the atmosphere, I'd be, I'd be out of this place, so, but that's just my thought on it, you know, I mean, you can like it, you can hate it, you can think it sucks, you can think it doesn't suck, you can think I suck, or I don't suck, one or the other, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, it's just an outsider's look at something from a different perspective, I'm not looking at it as a hobbyist, I'm not looking at it as somebody that wants to believe in UFOs, or I'm not looking at it as somebody that disbelieves in the UFOs, I'm just looking at it as if I was doing an investigation the way the answers 
the way things are answered, the way people react, and the deflection methods all of you use, it's deceptive. And once deceptive, always deceptive. So that's all I can tell you. It was good talking to you. People, I will see you. Um, this is episode going to be episode five. I know we're up to episode eight already. I just took me a while to jot down a few notes to get this together, but we will see you, uh, we will see you soon.